Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Well, this morning I'm going to be concentrating on the Gospel reading that we just heard, Jesus healing a crippled woman on the Sabbath. And so you can find it either in the Bibles on page 1000... Hang on, hang on, hang on. What's going on? This is all wrong. Haven't we just heard about healing? We have someone here who's had a sore shoulder for four months now. I'm trying to preach a sermon. Kirsty. Would you like to come up and we can pray for her? Oh, dear, oh, dear. I'm just trying to preach a sermon. Thank you, Kirsty. Interrupting Well, us. we have to get our priorities right. Okay. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for Kirsty, and we pray for healing, your healing oil on her shoulder, that the muscles would relax and the bones would relax. Father, we ask for your healing power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, well, have you finished? Yes, thank you. Off you go then. I can get on with my sermon. I mean, really, you could have done this tomorrow instead of in the middle of the Sunday service. I mean, it's, oh no, tomorrow's a bank holiday. Tuesday, you could have done it on. But that's a bit of fun, isn't it? But what we were really doing was just acting out what happened in the gospel story, weren't we? They're all there in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and they're going through their normal... Sabbath service, Jesus is teaching and preaching, when all of a sudden it's interrupted because he sees a woman who needs some healing, and he, and he interrupts the, the, the Sabbath. And some people get angry about it, they don't like it. Well, what's that got to do with us? What's all that got to do with us? Well, the thing is that we all think of worship in different ways. We all have different ideas of what worship is like. I mean, the writer of the letter to the Hebrews this morning in our, in our second reading, finished by saying, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And some people think that worship should be solemn, like that. And some people think that worship should be joyful, like King David dancing in front of the Ark of the Lord. And some people think that worship should be loud. And some people think it should be silent. And some people think that worship should involve lots of movement. And other people think that worship, one should be very still. And so the question is, 
in a church family like ours here at St. Matthew's, how can we all unite around a single vision of what worship is all about? Well, I think Jesus gives a very big clue in our gospel passage. So let's, let's turn to it. In verse 10, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. So, just bear in mind, Jesus isn't the synagogue leader, he's not the synagogue ruler, but he's the visiting preacher. He's been invited to preach that day. And then it says in verse 11, a a woman who was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years, she was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, well, when Jesus saw her, there were two things that he could have done. He could have just carried on teaching and preaching, which is what everyone would have expected him to do. Or he could have stopped, interrupted the proceedings and ministered to the woman. And that's what he did, isn't it? As we read on, it says, when Jesus saw her, he called her forward. Do you know, calling her forward would have been quite a big deal, even in in their situation. Because in the synagogue in Jesus' day, the main body of the synagogue was reserved for men. So this... The women had to, had to be at the back or at the sides or, 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 or on the first floor if there was a balcony. So Jesus would have had to call her way from the back, probably, by the door or something like that. And, and, and this crippled woman would have had to have walked forward in front of all, the eyes of everybody to the front. So he called her forward and said, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. But what happens? The leader of the synagogue gets really angry. Why does he get angry when Jesus has performed such a wonderful miracle? Well, I think he gets angry because, and perhaps it helps having a vicar's hat on, but I think he gets angry because he has a set idea about what Sabbath worship should look like. And Jesus has interrupted it. Jesus has cut across what he would have expected to happen in his synagogue and gone a different way. And the thing is, before we judge that synagogue leader, we need to think about ourselves. How much do we have fixed ideas about what we think should happen on a Sunday morning? And how annoyed do we feel or angry do we feel if it doesn't go our way? If something different happens from what we would want in the Sunday service? And so we really can't be too judgmental about that synagogue leader, can we, if we think about it? Because often the ways that we hold worship are quite precious. But what happens? He blames Jesus. He, he basically throws the rule book at Jesus. He says, well, you've broken the Sabbath laws. Because on the Sabbath, they weren't supposed to do anything except go to the synagogue and, and, and worship God. They weren't allowed to do any work, and that, the healing was, was considered to be work. And so he throws that rule book at Jesus, but Jesus throws the rule book straight back at him because Jesus knows all of the the Sabbath laws and he reminds him, he says, you hypocrite, he says, because in your Sabbath laws, you can untie an animal and lead it for a drink so that it can survive through the Sabbath. And yet, how much more shouldn't we be releasing someone who's been oppressed for 18 years, a a human being, a daughter of Abraham, he calls her, 
in the gospel reading. How much more should we be doing that? That's the, that's the priority. And of course, the people know he's right. And the synagogue leader, it says in verse 17, that when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. So it wasn't just the synagogue leader. In fact, it was the synagogue leader plus all those who agreed with the synagogue leader. They were all humiliated. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. And the wonderful thing is that God gets the glory. Because Jesus gives God the glory by healing the woman. And the woman gives God the glory because she praises God when she's healed. And the people give God the glory because of, they talk about all the wonderful things that Jesus is doing. And so God gets all the glory. And so what is the, what's the implication of all this for us? when we think about worship. Well, I think the implication is this, is that worship is not about what we do or we don't do on a Sunday morning. That worship is about the state of our hearts. Are our hearts inclined more towards God, loving God and loving others? Or are we more concerned with the bits and pieces, if you like? And that's, that's the challenge. Are we prepared as Jesus was, to lay down the, the normal, the expected forms of worship in order to reach out with love to others? That's the question. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells a story to illustrate this. He says that if you are at the altar offering your gift and you remember that your brother has something against you. In other words, you've got a broken relationship with someone. He says, don't offer your gift. He says, leave it there. First, go and be reconciled to your brother, or sister, or family member, whatever, and then come and offer your gift. He says, the priority is what's going on in here, not the form of worship on the, on the, on the Sabbath. And so... What he says is that we can make better use of a Sunday morning by spending time healing a relationship with somebody where it's broken than we can by going to church. That's what he's saying. That's, that's what true worship is all about, Jesus says. And it's interesting because it's quite a relevant subject, this, at the moment, because in two weeks' time, we're going to introduce some changes to our regular Sunday morning service. They're changes that were... Um, agreed by the PCC at our July PCC meeting. And the reason, the thing, let me reassure you on one point. First of all, the Sunday morning service is still going to be a Church of England, common worship, Holy Communion service at 10 o'clock. So in many ways, it's going to be much the same. But we're going to change it in two respects. We're going to bring in a bit more informality into the service. And we're also going to make it a little less wordy than it is at the moment. And the reason that we're doing that is not because there's a particular person or group of people who want this to happen, but because the PCC believes that new people coming into our church, people who don't have a church background, will be able to find the the services more accessible if they're a little more informal and a little less wordy. And so... I'm not going to go into all the details now at all, but on September the 8th, that'll be the first Sunday that we, that we make these sort of changes. And uh, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just run with it for um, weeks and months, and we'll see how it goes. 
And, uh, and if we need to change it again, we'll change it again. But the point is, it's about reaching out to others with the love of God. That's what Jesus says true worship is all about. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was standing outside in the welcome area, and the hymn, the, the opening hymn had just been announced, and the organ had started up. And so we were, we were literally about to process in when somebody walked in through the, the main doors of the church who was very upset. And I had to make an instant choice as to whether I carried on processing into the church, or whether, and obviously I couldn't because the, the person was upset. And so I asked the person a couple of questions. I managed to link them up with Kirsty, and Kirsty managed to link them up with a couple of people who came out of the service and spent most of the service with that person ministering to them in the welcome area, listening to them and, and, uh, and, and helping them. And if we think about the question, who was worshipping more, those of us in here who were singing and praising God, or those two who went out to minister to that person? Well, of course, there isn't an answer to that. But the answer is, clearly, those people in the welcome area were worshipping God in a wonderful way, in a different way to how we were worshipping God in here, but in a wonderful way. And, that, and I, I was so moved by that, that they, they spent most of the service out there prepared to lay down their Sunday worship in order to reach out with love to someone who needed help. And that is the kind of worship that we can unite around. That's the kind of worship that Jesus demonstrated in the synagogue that morning in, in Capernaum. That was the kind of worship that supremely Jesus demonstrated when he died for each one of us on the cross. When he, when he was nailed to a cross and died in agony, carrying the burden of our sins so that we could be forgiven and set free, just as he set that woman free on the Sabbath morning in that synagogue. That's the kind of worship we can unite around. And when we do, God gets all the glory. Amen.